Can you just have a private service with the Holy Ghost wherever you're standing this morning? Can you have a private service with him? Yes, it's a corporate meeting. Yes, we are in the church. But beyond the church is just you and the Holy Ghost. When at the end of the day, it's always you and the Holy Ghost. Just have a private service with him for a few minutes. Let him know you love him. Let him know you appreciate him. Let him know that he, he you, you, you are thankful for his grace over your life. Look back at where God has brought you from. Look at where he has brought you to. Look at where he's taking you to. Just have a private service with him. Say, Holy Ghost, I appreciate you. Holy Ghost, I thank you. Many, many times believers don't think deeply enough. That's why we are not always grateful enough. Just say, Lord, this morning I'm grateful. There, Yes, there might be a list of things that you don't have, but there, is, there are many more things that you have. For starters, you have your life. You are not just alive, you are living. You are not just living, you are, you are, you God has placed you in a place where you know that you know that you know that your life is different. You, I'm sure all of us can think of other paths that our lives could have taken if the Lord was not with us. Just say thank you for the way my life has gone. Thank you for the way it is going. Thank you for the expected end. Thank you for your hope. It's because of you that we have hope. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if there was no Jesus in this world. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you because you are our comforter. Thank you because you are our holy now. You are our everything. We thank you. We thank you. Holy Ghost, we thank you. Yes, there are many, many things we should do. There are many, many things we want to have. There are many things we want to own. Yet, the, for the ones we already have and for the hope of the ones that we will yet have, for everything that is crooked in our lives that you will make, make straight, we thank you. For everything that is not enough today that the abundance is coming tomorrow, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you because you are not done with us. You are not done with any of us. You still have that hope. You still have that plan. You still have that goodwill towards us. Thank you for mercy every day. Thank you for mercy every day. Thank you for mercy every day. Thank you because you've not allowed Satan to punish our mistakes. We thank you. We thank you because you have not handed us over to the enemy to do as he wills. We thank you. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our loved ones. Thank you for our friends. We see your mercy. We see your hand. We see your goodness. We are more than grateful. We are more than grateful. We are more than grateful. Wherever you are, just say thank you to the Lord Jesus. Just say thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Ghost. 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 When you are done saying thank you, just pray in the spirit for a few minutes as we begin today's teaching. If you can pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you can't pray in the Holy Ghost, let me see your hands up. E broto felata babane toskiva e brantoski kaboni. I want to hear your tongues in capital letters. Kaboke talibabane 
Ebrotoski Bapakatoski Prantafolia Ebrotoski Bapaliko Bre Lima Matisiam Bela Cabratuskeba Madopilia Ebrotoski Baboka Pacadia Ebrotosiama Meli Cairobasha Ella Babalatosia Brandeske. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. I want us to pray a prayer that the Holy Spirit would help us to maintain the discipline that is required to host his presence in a tangible way. The dis- there is a discipline that is required to host the Holy Ghost in a tangible way. That Just ask, ask for that grace. You cannot do it by yourself. So ask for that. The grace to host the presence of God in a tangible way. To host the presence of God in a tangible way. Just ask that the Lord will give you that grace. God will give you that discipline. Whatever you need to do. we All of us are probably not going to be, apart from the basic things of praying and interacting with scriptures, there might be other disciplines that God requires of you. Just ask that Lord will give you the grace to maintain that discipline. There is a discipline required to maintain the anointing. Ask that the Holy Ghost will give you that discipline. God would help you to settle down into his pattern for your life. God would help you to settle down into his purpose for your life. God would help you to start to prosecute it, to start to interact with it in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. You know, uh, like I said at yesterday's prayer meeting, that Sunday service doesn't start on Sunday. What happens on Sunday service is that there is, if you picture each one of us in the spirit like, like a little tongue of fire on our heads, what happens is that on Sunday we come together, create a, 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 a symphony, if that's a, a, a furnace, and the Holy Ghost comes, lightens us more, and then we everybody goes back home with a bigger tongue of fire than they came with. So if your service begins on Sunday morning, when somebody stands here and says, praise the Lord, um, you already came late. And we must always be conscious of that. Sometimes you realize that maybe it's on Wednesday that something starts to boil in your spirit, boil in your spirit. If you tend it, by the time you get to Saturday, by the time you get to Sunday, if it, it has blown into something big. You understand what I'm saying? So if there's something, if God starts a move in your life on a Monday, make sure that you keep that. If it's a song that cannot, that is not letting you go, keep singing it. If it is a scripture that is holding you, sit with it. Whatever it is that the Holy Ghost is bringing to your attention during the week, keep hold of it. You never know what's going to happen on Sunday. And you know, last week Sunday was a good example. I had a chat with a few people and you could tell that um, what happened last Sunday was not coincidence because there were people in this place that had that move going on in their spirits already. Someone was speaking to me that the Lord showed him um, about three days earlier that he was going to be ministering to a young child on Sunday. He had no clue. He had never met the young child anyway. But then it happened on Sunday. Somebody else said that there was one of the songs that the Holy Ghost had brought him. He was almost tempted to call me and say, 
this song, this song. So, but then when we started last Sunday and then the song came up, you, you understand. So, God would have put portions of the service in your own spirit. So, it's up to you to tend that part. And one of the people was telling me that um, there were certain things that God had said he should do, that he was battling God with them, and that he was grateful that he obeyed. Because if he didn't obey, last week's sermon would have been koboko for him. But because he obeyed, he was he was happy with you know you know when you are smiling in the service because you obeyed and it aligns with what God has come to tell you. Now imagine the other way if you had not done that. So I just want us to pray one more prayer, and then we can sit down. We we'll pray that we we'll, we'll rebuke over your. This is a personal prayer that every every form of spiritual lethargy. Everything that causes spiritual things to drag when it comes to you. That maybe you've had experiences. Maybe you, you've, you know, many people have had experiences. You see people say 20 years ago. You see people say 15 years ago. You see people say 35 years ago. I, I heard of a servant of God that God had told him maybe like 1970, something that I will preach to the nations. Now the man is in his 80s. Every time they go, somebody goes to visit him. He will go to the, he will say, wait, 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 let me tell you what God told me. He will go in and bring his daughter and show the person that the Lord said he will pray to the nations. The Lord said, he will. this was now somebody approaching 80. The question is, where is the strength to jump from nation to nation? What that man of God did not know was that he missed God somewhere along the line. And he still, that, that if, even if God has mercy and brings it back, there is no physical ability to do that anymore. So you tell God that God, every spiritual lethargy, every spiritual, I don't know any other word for it, but some that just like spiritual things keep dragging, spiritual keeps keep 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 dragging around you. Rebuke it in your life in the name of Jesus. That God will cause you to be on fire. God will set you on fire. God will set you on fire. There are things that will not get near you if you are on fire. They could throw Apostle Peter into jail until the time where the Holy Ghost was so powerful in his life that his shadow was healing the sick. You will not hear that anybody came near to jail him again. When, when they came to arrest the Lord Jesus, the Bible says they came there and said, we are looking for Jesus. He says, here I am. And the Bible says all of them fell down backwards. If the Lord didn't tone it down, there was no way anybody could lay a finger on him. So say every sign of spiritual lethargy we rebuke in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We can have a seat here. Welcome to church in Jesus' name. Welcome, Auntie and Auntie, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Auntie Nikki and Sister Nia. Let's clap our hands together for them. You're welcome in Jesus' name. So we started a series last week. We started a sermon that turned into a series last week, the orientation of the believer. And we went on to speak about the characteristics of the will of God. And after I'd listed all the characteristics and got home, and I was thinking, okay, I, I was, because I had the whole outline, and I was thinking, okay, next week we'll continue from here. And the Holy Ghost came to me and said, oh, by the way, you've told them the characteristics of God's will. Um, did you tell them how to find it or where to access it? Oh, I skipped that part. So we'll look at that part today and then we'll continue on our journey uh, next week. Uh, it might turn into a long series or the Holy Ghost might cut it short next week, whichever one it is. Mm -hmm. 
it needs to be followed. So we started with Colossians chapter 1. Last week we read from verse 1. And we, we, we camped at verse 9. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we had it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And we camped at being filled with the knowledge of his will. That's the first thing the apostle said. Imagine not, if you don't have the knowledge of his will, where do you even, be, even begin to start from it? So that is the most critical part of the life of a believer, having a knowledge of what the will of God is. Step one, that's it. So we went about to talk about the, the, the characteristics of that will. And then today, we are going to look at how to find the will of God. And we are going to start reading from Hebrews chapter 10. So we'll leave Colossians alone for a while. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. I'll read from verse 1. It says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things. The reason, let me give you a background. The reason I'm reading this passage is because many, many times you see believers that say um, the Old Testament has been done away with. It's the New Testament. We are in the New Testament now. That's always the argument for, you know, many many misbehaviors in the body of christ now we are in quotes now we have liberty and now we have license and we can behave a certain way with god we are going to see here so verse one for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year <laughs> continually make the commerce therefore there unto perfect and i've told us when you see the word perfect in the bible many times it speaks of maturity so you can swap perfect for mature and then you get a better understanding of what the scripture means there verse 2 for then would would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshiper once put should have no more conscience of sin but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world this year, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offering and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Verse 7. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will. Oh God, verse 8. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, oh, then said he Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all. So, especially verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. So, what happens in the Old Testament is not as much as God coming and canceling the Old Testament. No, he didn't do that. What the, only, what the Lord Jesus did, like I said, the whole 
purview of God has always been about the obedience of his will. So if you look at Genesis to Revelation, you will see that all of the matters that happened was always a, a, a business of the obedience or disobedience of the will of God. So all those if you all those sacrifices, burnt offering, bring a bull, bring a cow, bring a, an heifer, bring two turtle doves, every of those things were pointers, were were attempts of, of God to 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 sort is sort is our relationship to kind of create a pathway for which man can access and do his will. So if you look at the entire Bible in the context of struggles to fulfill the will of God, then you will realize that even though the means changed when we got to the New Testament, like this, the Lord said in that Hebrews 10, he was saying that sacrifice and offering you would not. It doesn't mean that, it, 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 it doesn't mean that you would not in sense that God didn't want them. Is that God took them, knowing fully well that those things were not sufficient for the kind of relationship that God needed to have with man. And, yes, okay, this is going to spill over now. But you re- remember in the book of Genesis that, like I think I've taught us here before, in the book of Genesis, you had the Father, the Son, and the Spirit say, let us make man in our own image. And then they started to, and then it wasn't the Father that molded man it was the lord jesus christ that molded man you go to the book of john and says uh, the light that this is the light of the world and that nothing was made without him that was made so it was it basically the crafting of a man was the lord jesus christ but then was the work of the lord jesus christ but man was not yet complete as the bible says adam was a, a, a living soul but the lord jesus christ but the uh, last adam was a life-giving spirit what happened was even though man was formed you know man was created as a grown man but and the, but the whole point was that man would eventually get to the level of god man was created with the potential to be at the level of god but man was not yet fully at the level of God. So what happened was, that's one of the reasons the Bible says that the father will come in the cool of the evening and start to have discussions and have fellowship with Adam. Because Adam was created a grown man. There were things, you know, imagine if your mommy pushed you out as a grown man. You might be a grown man physically, but the experiences that many of us pick up from the day we were born to age 30, for example, you will not have that because you are made, you know, everybody else was born. So all of us went through the process of birthday one year, two, three, until 30. Even the Lord Jesus Christ was born. He went on to, and then started ministry at 30. But Adam was not born in that sense. Adam was molded a full-grown man. Eve was also molded a full-grown woman. So the, the things that they had not picked up by virtue of experience or by virtue of interacting with the world, they had to, the Lord was now coming the evening and filling up their knowledge gaps like um, this world you are in, um, there was recreation and you know, um, if I don't want to, I am trying not to go to the book of Genesis because here we are. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the heart, and the heart was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. 
this so you you see here that god created the heaven and the earth and knowing god as the creator god does not create nothing god bible says that god has not created us the world for nothing so the world was not created void originally imagine god made heaven and earth and then he made heaven for him to stay and then he made the heart void makes no sense so god created both heaven and the earth and filled it and everything and then verse 2 says and the heart was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep that situation in verse 2 came about by some things that had happened and and one of the things that the major thing that happened was that there was a civilization then that got destroyed with water and so that water was judgment. That's why you read of, of, of Lucifer. Oh, Lucifer, that which weakens the nation, son of the morning, have you fallen, and all that. So you start to read the involvement of Lucifer in the pre-Adamic world, such that by leading a rebellion against God, God destroyed them with water. And that was the reason for the water, for the, the spirit of the Lord moving upon the face of the waters. So the, now the Holy Ghost comes again and God starts, starts to put things, to wants to put the entire world together. So all those things were knowledge that Adam did not have. So God had to now show, unfortunately for Adam, he didn't finish school. Because, you know, in the garden there were two trees, right? One was what? One was knowledge of good and evil. The other one was the tree of life. Have you ever thought about that tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You know, Satan. What, when Satan came to Adam and he, what did he tell them? He said, you'll be like the most high knowing good and evil. And he made it sound as if God didn't want them to know what evil looked like. Right? So, he says, no, you eat the tree. Whereas, was it Satan that created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? If God didn't want them to know what evil looked like, would the tree have been the knowledge of good and evil? It would have just been the tree of good. And they would have only eaten of good. So, God wanted them to be like him in the sense that they would know what is good, they would know what is evil, but yet they would choose him. Okay. So, God put the tru- two trees there, knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. So, they, the devil pushed them, the head of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God quickly casted them out before the head of the tree of life because if they had eaten of the tree of life, that would have been their fate sealed. They would there will be no once you eat of the tree of life, then the possibility of death is removed. And once the possibility of death is removed, there is no chance at redemption. So if you want if 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 for for Satan to be able to find redemption now, he would need to die. And then, you know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So once you see, once Satan sins, that Satan has fallen, obviously. So if Satan could die, he would have paid for his sins. So now the, the issue would have, if he had died paying for his sins, how would he resurrect to continue living? That's the challenge of man. Man, man would die because, man, men would die because they sinned. But after death, there is no power in that same man to resurrect and continue another kind of life, whatever form it is. So the wages of sin is death. Man dies, is then man sins, man dies spiritually, and that's the end of the man because there's no way to resurrect his spirit. So what happened was that the Lord Jesus came, died, and in that process, you know, by the fact that the Lord Jesus died, 
everything was done. But now, there had to be a mechanism of raising the Lord Jesus from the dead. Because if you didn't raise him from the dead, then our faith is not complete. Now, what, what, but the way God now did it was to say, okay, Satan, you have killed him. But according to the laws, a, a, you, you, a righteous, you cannot hold, hell was not created for righteous people. So Jesus being a righteous man could not be held in hell because hell, by the laws that govern life and death and heaven and hell, you cannot keep, it's like God allowing a sinner to enter heaven and keeping him there. It's not possible. Likewise, you cannot keep a righteous man in hell. That's why even, even when, even in the days of, uh, in the Old Testament when they were killing goat and killing bull and everything, even though it didn't completely take away their sin, you will realize that in hev- in, in, when they were in hell, there were two compartments. There was hell with the fire. There was paradise. But they were, ac- they were next to each other, but there was a gulf in between. That's where the story of the rich man and Lazarus played out. The rich man was in hell. Lazarus was in the bosom of Abraham. They could see each other. And Father Abraham was saying, even if we wanted to bring you water, there is a great gulf. So even though there are the sins of people like Abraham, and they had been paid for with bull and all of that, they had been, many of them had been declared righteous. They still, could, because of that righteousness, even though it wasn't enough to take them into heaven, it was sufficient to keep them out of hell. Because you cannot keep a righteous man in hell. So the Holy Ghost comes down and says, oh, by the way, um, that Jesus you are holding is a righteous man. You cannot hold him. And then hell had to let him go. But the other reason Jesus went there was because he needed to make a show of the devil. You know, spiritual authority is like a, a ladder. And this is, uh, and, and we must hear this carefully. Spiritual authority is like the steps on a ladder. At the top of that ladder is the Lord Jesus Christ. Beneath those ladders, you would have things like principalities and powers, wickedness in high places, your witches, your wizard, and all that. And then you have, of course, somewhere on the ladder, you have children of God. What happens as a child of God is that because you have the life of Christ, you have the potential to also be at the top. Your, your God's destiny is that you would be at the top of that ladder with the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you don't have an understanding of who you are, if you don't have a living and active relationship with the Lord Jesus, those principalities and powers that are at different levels of that ladder, they will still oppress you. Even though you are born again, you are filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why you see children of God say something came and pressed their neck in the middle of the night. That they couldn't breathe, they couldn't breathe. They, shout, they had to shout Jesus through their dream and then they woke up. All of the reasons those things can do that is because though you are born again, you have not gone in sufficient authority, you have not exercised your authority enough to conquer those things. That was the issue with Adam. So Adam had the potential. You know, Adam could access the mind of God. The Bible says he named all the animals what God would have named them. So basically, Adam would say, hmm, according to the mind of God, you should be called. When, when, when he was saying that, 
he wasn't just saying you you'll be called the lion you you'll be called the leopard you you'll be called the snake that was not what adam was doing adam was defining the personalities and the characteristics of each animal so he looks at lion and say hmm you will be a representation of the lion of the tribe of judah you will be strong you will be brave you'll be unstoppable you'll be the king of all the animals the way jacob called his children and said come 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 let me tell you what's going to happen to you in the end that was what adam did with all the animals you elephant you will be majestic you will ed- basically anything you start but still the lion will be over you so that was it wasn't just okay it was okay what name did he call them lion it, no it was defining their person it was defined you dove you will be a representation of the holy ghost no bitterness nothing nothing so he defined characteristics the same way god defines our personalities and all that and he defined everything the only problem was that when he fell everybody fell with him and and my favorite um <laughs> description of the fall was like imagine if there were there was a bus 18 seater bus and full and they were going and they had an accident adam being the driver all the Eve passenger seat, um, all the animals and creation is the rest of the bus. The issue was that the so now let's imagine they hit a rock. Is the impact of the injury going to be the same? Okay, so who is likely to suffer more? The people who is likely to suffer least. Okay, so you understand why all of creation have not fallen even though man fell flat on his face all of creation has not fallen the exact same way you have the dove the dove is still the animal that doesn't have bit gall it doesn't have a gallbladder so there is no root of it. that is why it can represent the holy spirit whereas you have the raven the, if there if is a context between the raven and his child rip the raven's child because the raven will hit the food and they will hit the child afterwards different so you know your mosquito <laughs> your mosquito now did god create mosquito to bite you of course not all of that consequences of the fall that mosquito will not let you sleep and be transmitting malaria and all those things to you so all these animals suffered the fall to different degrees but the point is that the chief adam had fallen so he had called now he's causing all creation to groan and in new jerusalem you see the lion lie down eat grass and lie down next to the lamb you can imagine that scenario right now so all of this happened so now god comes to to so god was coming to adam and say okay let me teach you this this is how unfortunately adam did not wait to finish lectures because the plan of god was that when adam was mature he would hit of when he was mature enough he would hit of the, in his mind not in his body now he was a grown man but when he was matured enough in understanding he will hit the fruit of knowledge of good and evil and he will hit the fruit of life so at the time it was always god coming down adam could not yet go up because he had not yet had the spirit of life represented by the holy ghost so what happened to adam was that he had the ministry of the father had happened where the the father said what the father usually does is this is what is going to happen the end and the father sits down and chills the son starts to actively do the work the holy ghost provides the grace and 
the enablement to do what the father said. So that's how that partnership always works. The father is not sitting on the throne. When you say, Father, arise, 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 go where? Father is not arising anywhere. Um, <laughs> Psalm 110. <laughs> it was the only ghost that they eventually. It's the only ghost. Now it's the only ghost they've sent. So you say you ask the father. We pray to the father. But the doing, the carrying out of those, think about it. The Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ is seated next to the Father doing what? The Holy Ghost does what for us? Inters also intercedes with us for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Jesus is praying to the Father. The Holy Ghost is praying to the Father. You, you are praying to Jesus. <laughs> Who should you be praying to? Who is Jesus praying to? Who should you be praying? Uh, when Jesus was on earth, who was he praying to? Who are we supposed to pray to? So, the, like Jesus said, that you ask anything you ask in my name. He didn't say anything you ask me. We must read our Bible for what it says, not what we think it says. It says anything you ask the Father in my name. So, when you pray, you address the Father. And the Father disperses and says, it is my will that this thing be done for you. When the father declares his will concerning the things you've asked him, then the Lord Jesus goes into action, the Holy Ghost goes into action to move, the angels go into action to move things to conform to what the father has declared. Do we understand? This has turned into another thing, but it's okay. Hallelujah. So um the entire scriptures can be summarized in that in that Hebrews 10 verse 6 verse 7 and it's basically doing the will of God. So like I said the Old Testament was not completely done away with it was perfected it was completed and what happened in that perfecting was that there were portions you know I, I was trying to show us that the things in the Old Testament were based on principles and practices that their aim was to foster a relationship with God. So take your minds off the bull and the goat. The whole point of the bull and the goat was so that ultimately there could be some form of relationship with the father. Then you fast forward to the New Testament because obviously the bull and the goat were not enough. In the Old Te New Testament now, the Lord Jesus came, sacrificed, he gave himself up to be killed and he rose up and on the strength of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, that relationship with the father that the blood of bull and goat could not completely foster now could be real, could be perfect by the virtue of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've showed us before that what happens with the blood of bull and goat is that it is covered. The sin is not taken away, it is covered. And it, I, I remember telling us here that it's like somebody pulls here and we go and pack sand or we, we take leaves and we use it to cover it. Both of us know what we covered and occasionally the smell. Do you understand? So sometimes when you see that the Israelites did something and fire landed, what happened was that there was a remembrance of what they and God covered. Then the blood of Jesus Christ didn't come to cover sin. He took it away completely. So that when the Lord now, when the Father looks, you know the eyes of the Lord are too holy to be old sin. So when the Father looks in that direction, there is nothing to see. It's not a case of, oh, the sin we covered. 
No, it's a case of a case of there is nothing to see. And you must not let the devil condemn you. There is nothing you have done that is greater than the sacrifice of Jesus. I was telling us on Wednesday, there is nothing. Because the Lord Jesus hung on, he would, if it would have taken, if it would have taken one week of hanging on the cross to wash away all our sins, the Lord Jesus would have done it. Because he didn't die. He gave up his own spirit. So if he wanted to keep his spirit there for the next one week, could have done it so the lord just stood there and then there was a meeting in heaven like okay the sacrifice here and the sins of the world was it enough yeah as the sacrifice fulfilled and the lord father said yes the sacrifice is enough and then the lord jesus said it is finished then he gave up his ghost at that point there is nothing somebody will say one day that um you know hitler killed about six million people he, he they weren't only christians he killed christians he killed Jews. He killed, you know, this is a lesser known fact, but he killed Germans too. There was a purging that was going on in around that time in Germany where they wanted Germans, they generally believed they're superior race. So there was, they wanted to purge their race of defects. You know, in scriptures, that the Bible says that blind people, main people should not enter the temple. Satan took that literally through, took it another way through Hitler. So if you are blind, you lost a leg, you had a blemish of, you lost a finger. If you had all of that and you were German, they were going to kill you with the rest of the Christians and the Jews because they wanted to purge their race. With all that evil, if that man, I don't know, if that man had repented before he died, still enter heaven because there is nothing any human being can do that is bigger than the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. So don't let anybody condemn you. Don't let your conscience condemn you. Say, oh, you, <laughs> you, <laughs> we both know you. No, 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 no. The Bible says if your conscience condemns you, God is greater than your conscience. And then when you say, ah, oh, Lord, no, we must not, there are prayers like a pastor said, there are prayers we are not expected to pray as children of God. For example, you cannot be going to God and say, Lord, um, that sin, that lie that I apologized for last week is still bugging me. I've come to apologize again. Please forgive me. God will look at you like, what are you talking about? Because the Bible says your iniquities I'll remember no more. God doesn't remember. There are only two people that usually remember yourself and the devil. And the, the devil's own is constant K because, you know, even though the devil remembers, God puts an embargo on him. Okay. Um, how many of us remember the scripture that says that the devil and Michael were striving for the body of Moses? That means Moses knows, that means Satan knows where Moses was buried. Abby? Um, why has he not been able to tell anybody? We have, if he knew, and there are people that worship Satan, the way we pray, there are people that worship Satan and sing praises to his name and say he's the most high and that the Lord God Almighty is the one that was that usurped him and all that and all that. Why has he not been able to reveal and say this is where 
Moses is buried because they can name Bago. It doesn't matter what Satan knows about you. God, it is God. Bible says when the enemy comes like a flood, the Spirit of God raises a stamina and say, "This line, you cannot cross." And in our lives, God draws lines that no one, that even Satan, even with every, even though he has a list of your sins and the sins of your entire generation, he cannot use that list against you because by the embargo and the righteous standard of God, God has declared you righteous. So you should walk around in confidence. You should never be slow to repent. And once you have repented, being it, it doesn't matter what it is. What sometimes happens is that um, if we do something that grieves the Holy Spirit, the as far as God is concerned, you are forgiven. But relationship with Holy Spirit is, is like relationship with a spouse. You, so, um, maybe before they got married, um, what's the word, what's the right, ex- whatever. Maybe, um, okay, there's a the husband and the wife and the man used to smoke and all that. And then they got together and the man said, I'm not smoking anymore. Right? And then maybe five years down the line, or I don't know, 20 years down the line, for whatever reason, the man starts smoking again and is hidden it from the wife. So if the wife finds out and he starts to say, please forgive me, please forgive me, the wife will forgive because she's a child of God and she wants to get to heaven. But sometimes it might take a little bit of time when he says, when he's, when he's goes going out and says, I want to quickly go out, there might be something in your mind that says, hmm, maybe he's going to smoke again. You know that kind of thing. That is sometimes how the relationship with the Holy Ghost is. If, if trust is broken, sometimes it might, it, it might take a time for us to rebuild that relationship with the Holy Ghost again to get back to where we used to be. But in terms of forgiveness, you are forgiven. Once you say, forgive me in the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. It is that the Holy Ghost is such a, a but you know, say, Jesus was saying that sin against the Father, sin against the Son, small matter. Sin against the Holy Ghost is will not be forgiven in this world and in the world to come. Have you ever considered why? That means of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost is the most precious he is the one that everybody guards jealously. That's why in the life of Adam, he was the one that was going to come last and impact the fullness of... Because it, that, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, essentially. So, the Holy God, the God cannot do anything without his own Spirit. So, he was going to be this Holy Spirit that will eventually make, put Adam in, on that path by him. That is how, why we are seated with Christ in every place, because the Holy Ghost is inside us. And so it is by the Holy Ghost, who is also the seal of our redemption, that we are elevated to that position. So Adam never got there. But we are there because the Holy Ghost lives inside us. Hallelujah. So, you know, um, in actual fact, many of, like I was saying, principles, many of the principles um, in the Old Testament were not done. None of the principles of the Old Testament was done away with. They were just taken up a level. So I'm just going to run through, uh, I'm trying to be time conscious. So we, of course, we still offer sacrifices, but what we, yes, we still offer sacrifices, don't we? 
We do. It's just that our sacrifices are different. The items are different, but the principles and the precepts still remain. Before it was sacrifice, for example, Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, we, you know, we offer a sacrifice of praise, and then we offer the blood of Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10. In terms of titan, yeah, we, we, in the Old Testament, you give one-tenth. In the New Testament, God is asking for you. I, the entire you says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So when people say, ah, the Old Testament is, titan is an Old Testament principle, it's because they don't understand. New Testament, God, you know, in the Old Testament, you just come and drop your tithe and walk away. In the New Testament, you, the entire person, you, your spirit, soul, and body, all of you are offerings. Which which one is 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 more difficult? I mean, you in the New Testament, in the other you could offer God, you could you know God was one of the things God said to Cain was, if you are done right, would the offering not be accepted? That means that even though Cain was hating on God, if he had borrowed a lamb from Abel, because they knew. Both of everybody, all of them knew that the sacrifice of God had to be with blood. When in the old, in the in the in the garden, the Bible says they made Adam and Eve when they realized they were naked, they made clothings of fig leaves to cover themselves. What did God do? God went in there, killed the lamb, and used the skin to cover them, so they were dripping in blood. That's why judgment did not fall on their head immediately. And so God drove them out of the garden. It's also why later when Jesus came and he saw the fig tree and said, and there was no, he cursed it, that fig tree because you, you have showed up again. You are the one that showed up in the garden. And, they, and you provided a covering, a false covering. The fig tree is a representation of self-righteousness. They were naked. And then they decided, let's go and find fig tree and cover ourselves. No, you are naked. So when Jesus, ah, fig tree, you, of course, you are fruitless because there's nothing good that comes of self-righteousness. It's just condemnation. So Jesus said, this tree, nobody will eat of you again. And that was the end of the tree. And so Adam, uh, Abel and Cain, from that experience, Adam and Eve had taught them that you cannot, God does not accept sacrifice that doesn't have blood in it. So Abel came with the lamb, offered it. Cain came with okra, Kumba, what other things do we put in salad again? So, he, he brought God a salad. Unfortunately, God does not do salad. God, God is not vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you know, that happened and of course he got condemned. But the point is in the Old Testament, sometimes you could offer offerings, even though in your mind you are thinking, ah, my favorite chicken, now I have to give it to me. God will still accept because that was the law. That was what the law said, that you fulfilled the law. The, the state of your heart wasn't that much of an issue because God already knew that there will be a time where he will write his laws on your heart. And at that point, your state of heart will be an issue. So by the New Testament, your state of heart is an issue. When the Lord Jesus was going to remix that law, he said, if you have an offering and you remember that somebody, you have something against your brethren, he said, leave it there. Leave the offering there. Leave it. In, don't offer it. To just keep it in church and go and look for that person and sort out your issue and then come back and give that offering. That was so. The New Testament took everything that happened in the Old Testament up a notch. Yes, you don't kill goats. We we are not here this morning trying to figure out how to kill a goat. Go, those things are stubborn to kill. 
So it's a good thing we are not trying to kill one. But more than that, we we are figuring out how to subdue our flesh. You you are supposed to be in church ten thirty. Your body is saying, Esh, I really really need to sleep." But you have to crucify the flesh. You have to show up on Sunday and every other thing. So also instead of regular baths for purification, like in Numbers nineteen from verse seventeen to nineteen, now we are talking of washing of the water by the word in Ephesians 5:26. So you, so like I said you you see the removal, the replacement, the core values of the Old Testament are still there. But the means to fulfill them has been elevated and has been taken up a notch and it has been perfected in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I said all that story to now get to how to know the will of God. In the Old Testament, there were three major ways they knew the will of God. Number one was the Urim and the Thummim. The other one was principally through dreams. The third one was through prophecy. So the Urim and the Thummim, the, then dreams and prophecy. And you know, um, the Urim and the Thummim, interestingly, was mentioned a total number of seven times in scrip- scriptures. You know, seven stands for perfection. And the way it works is the Urim is, the other word for Urim is light. The other word for Tumim is the truth, the emblem of truth, or it also stands for perfection. And what basically happened was that they were like, you know, I don't want to, we don't we don't have time to go and read it. But the the Old Testament, the high priest had a, a, a set of stones, 12 stones. Each stone a representation of one of the tribes of Israel. So he had 12 on his, on his heart held with a, a string of gold and then right on his heart he had they had they, they would sew a little pouch and in there was the urim and the tomb so they were like two stones one was white one was black so essentially when you know you read the scriptures that uh, david went to and said can i go so when he says can i go what happens is that the high priest comes out with the urim and opens his pouch and comes out to him and to him and looks at them if it is the white one that is lightening up it means go if it is the black one it means sit down your house and so that was basically one of the ways so so the urim and tumim was more like a yes no system white stone but if it pulls out the white stone it means you can go if it pulls out the black one it means you cannot go. so it was a yes or so you had to construct your questions in a way that the only answer you could get was a yes or a no. You see, that was one of the imperfections of the system. The other one was that, uh, like I said, was that dreams. I know, um, I know it's interesting because he carried the pouch on his heart. Now we don't carry pouches on our heart. We carry the Holy Ghost in our heart. So instead of looking for yes or no, you can say, Holy Ghost, should I go today? He says, yes. Okay, what shirt should I wear? don't wear a suit today wear a jumper uh you know you can you can you more than yes or no you can ask the holy ghost for specifics you can ask the holy ghost for direction the holy ghost can be your gps turn left turn right do this do that but the condition is like like the urim and the thummim you must carry him in your that's why god said put those things on the heart like let it stay here and like a representation of the Holy Ghost that lives within us. So that the Holy Ghost is not something happens, you don't have to you don't have to run home to go and do five hours prayer. You know, you know why the Holy Ghost answers you instantly when you ask him. 
the way to get the Holy Ghost, when you are outside, the only way, the way to get the Holy Ghost to answer you in, in an instant is that when you are inside, you spend a lot of time with him. That's the only way. When somebody says, when somebody calls you and you need to make an instant decision, the way you will get an answer is not, it, that's why when people, hmm, people that have not been talking to God in a long time, now they want to get married and then they remember there's God somewhere. God would answer you according to that dude that is sitting on your heart. That is, <laughs> hallelujah. Yeah, it was it Ezekiel that the, the 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 elders of Israel came and they were going to speak, and the Lord was refined that would I answer these ones knowing that they have idols in their heart. So many times, God would answer people. It's why people think that ah, God, but you said um, I should do it. You know, um, many times, you know, Yoruba, for example, there are things you say that it is the same word but you say it in 10 different law law thing law no so when when you know a yoruba mother will say you say ah mommy i'm gonna say my law that my law means if they burn you well go <laughs> but somebody that don't doesn't understand that will say when you keep my law and then you go that is what happens with children of God that have not spent enough time with God, you say, Lord, should I go? God only says, my Lord. And then you will go. Not knowing that he, what he's saying, if you, are, but if you had related enough to him, you would have known that what he's saying is, <laughs> if you know you don't want me to kill you tonight, <laughs> you know, like African mothers, I will, if you go out, you know, when they say, my law, and then you say, okay, that will my carry your bag. What would they say? <laughs> you know, now they would have to be more explicit because you didn't understand. You've gone out with your mothers before, and they will, you are in public, and somebody wants to give you sweet, and your mother is squeezing her face and squeezing her eyes. She's trying to tell you, they don't take it. But of course, if you don't know that, so many believers do not know the impressions of the Holy Ghost. That is why. Sometimes we hear him wrong. Sometimes we don't understand. You know, <laughs> one day I was I was singing. A, 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 what happened? There was this popular song that came to my mind. I was at work. I was I was the only one in the lab, and I was just say, uh, "I'm gonna swing from the chandelier." You've heard that song before. That's how I said it. Though the Holy Ghost was like, "For what now?" And I'm like, "Okay." What? Why? Why do you want to swing from the chandelier? For what? <laughs> that was the only thing. Said, For what now? And I, okay, I apologize. I'm not swinging <laughs> anymore. So many, many things. Are, uh, the, the, it is the relationship with the Holy Ghost that that differentiates every believer in terms of maturity. The fact that somebody else can sing, I will not swing from the chandelier. And the Holy Ghost is just like, when you are done, it's fine. But you will sing it, and the Holy Ghost will be like, why? Just why? Just why? So when, when people say things like, uh, is it right to sing secular songs that are not bad? Is it right? To I just smile. Because sing it. If the Holy Ghost is fine with it, continue. But if you know that something you have sung, or something you have said, or a slang you have said, when you get your privacy and you, want to, and you kneel down to pray, and the Holy Ghost says, that thing that's what the Holy Ghost can tell somebody okay you wear earrings you do don't wear earrings it is it is a dealing and then God can the person that God said five years ago that they should not wear earrings again 
that person, the Holy Ghost can come back and say, okay, now it's time for you to start wearing a ring. That is why you never make personal instructions. You never make them doctrine. Because the de- if God tells you in your house to switch off your TV, don't come and tell us that everybody switch off your TV. Because somebody might, yes, might, it might be that there's somebody in the country that will be watching TV that week and would hear something that would change their lives completely. But because of your own personal dealing, you now came and said, no TV. And in the process, you have allowed somebody else to miss God. So if it's a personal dealing, be clear about that. This is my opinion. No, this is what I believe the Holy Ghost is saying to me. And you say me. So in the light of what I believe the Holy Ghost said, this is what I'm going to do or this is what I'm not going to do. You want to sing, say, I've met people that are prophetic. And sometimes when they're agitated, before they say five sentences, they drop the F-bomb. Bam. They, they all sorts of bombs, swear words, they'll be dropping it inside. And then, I'm not, I didn't die for them. But people like, yeah, when they get to their closer, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost say, what is this for now? So it, it is at that level of relationship. So we can get to that place with the Holy Ghost where each one of us can hear God for ourselves. And that is the aim for us in this branch that it's not just that the pastor comes and says this is what the Holy Ghost is saying, that each person will be able to hear God for themselves and lead a life, a relationship with God. That whether it's a child or an adult, God is real to you we not a life where you know for too long there have been situations where many of these whole elderly servants of god they have they have had covenants with god and on the basis of that covenant there are things that god would oblige them and there are things that maybe maybe somebody has worked with god so much and god has said nobody your generation would ever be poor and now because you've come through that person's generation by the word of the Lord that has gone ahead, you won't be poor. But you might not be poor in your bank account, but you might be poor in the understanding and the knowledge of God. You might be poor in the workings of God. You might be poor in in speaking, in, in relating with God. You might have zero authority with God, even though you have money in the bank. But the way to remedy the rest of that situation is to have a relationship with God. And then every aspect of your life, God takes care of. Do we understand? So the second way that the Lord spoke in the Old Testament was through dreams. And dreams are powerful. And I, this one, when you have dreams, don't, don't, don't let people make you feel like you're a low-level B-Tech Christian. Because all you do is dream. There are people, <laughs> yes, there are people, I've heard it before, there are people are told that the, uh, unless you, you, you are, like my eyes are open, like all of us, our eyes are open now, unless you get to that point where you can see the angel walking up and down, you have not gotten anywhere. No, don't let anybody make you feel like you're a low-level Christian, grade, grade half Pentium Christian, because uh, all you do is dream. Many times, dreams, for example, in, in a God understands our circumstances. There are times that the only long time you have, I'm an advocate of personal retreats. So once in a while, maybe like a whole day, take it and switch off your phone and nobody will die. If somebody dies, when you turn on your phone the next day, you go and wake them up. But that, I'm serious, but that 24 hours, 
let it be you and God. So take time like that to spend with God. Just you and God. Everybody leave me alone. And and but I understand also that it's not every time that everybody can do things like that. And the Holy Ghost also, if I if as little as I am, I understand. Don't you think the Holy Ghost also understands? So there are times that the only especially if God wants to show you maybe something long or something powerful, He wants to imprint it in sometimes He brings it in forms of dreams. Dreams that you can never forget in your life. That you wake up and you still remember the feeling you had in the dream. So sometimes God does that. We cannot limit God to only daily um, clear sight vision, day visions. There are also night visions. There are also dreams. And you know, uh, Joel 2.28, if you quickly turn your Bible, the uh, Pastor Bussar mentioned it um, today. Joel 2.28. I, even though it's a popular verse that all of us know, I want us to turn our Bibles there. De, de, and it said, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. You know, the interesting thing about this verse is that the word old men, out of, out of, the number of times they appeared in scriptures, the majority of time, about 115 times, they appears as elder or as somebody with authority. Whereas the word young men appears like somebody actually young. So old men in this context is is not necessarily el- elderly gray hair person. He's speaking of someone with authority. So it says the People with authority will dream dreams. The young men will see visions. That means there is a, a, a it is possible sometimes when you have progressed from from um, a young person can also progress in authority that even though physically you are young, in terms of spiritual matters, you are an elder. That was what happened to someone like Timothy, that the apostle Paul was having to say, Let no man despise your youth. And like you know, like uh, somebody was saying that one of the reasons Apostle Paul had said that was because even though Timothy was anointed and powerful, that there were elders in that church. Someone like Apostle John the Beloved was in that church. So you know, when Apostle John is sitting and you have to stand up to teach, you will think twice because that was the person that used to lean on the chest of the Lord Jesus Christ. You would the, the, all the Bible verses you know might first run away. Because of the caliber of the people sitting. That's why he said, let no man despise your youth and all that. So, but what that means is that you might be young in age. It doesn't mean you cannot command higher levels of spiritual authority. And one of the ways that happens is that sometimes God gives you the most powerful dreams. God gives you the most powerful encounters. And the third way that God spoke in the Old Testament was through prophecy. And I must say that that you can prophesy does not make you a prophet. What it makes you is that you are alive as a child of God. If you open your Bibles to uh, Revelations 19.10, I want to point out something there. Revelations 19.10... Revelations 19.10. I want to read. There's a particular uh, version, if I can still find it. 
it says at uh, this is the niv said at this i fell at his feet to worship him but he said to me don't do that i'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of jesus worship god then he says for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony of jesus the spirit of prophecy bears testimony of so if 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 the spirit of prophecy comes on you and you give a prophecy it is proof that the testimony of Jesus is alive inside you. It is not proof that you have been called to a prophet. Because you gave us two, three prophecies, doesn't now make you that you have been called into the office. You might be, but that is not the, the your prophecy is not only the indication, it's not going to be the only indication you have that you have been called into the office of a prophet. Prophets not only declare what will happen, they also have the authority to declare what they want to happen. So it's not just that, it's not just that the prophet will say, by this time tomorrow, somebody will meet you and give you money. No. The prophet can say, by my office, I declare that even though there doesn't seem to be a solution anywhere, I command that solution to turn up. So there are many things that we must not water down what the spiritual Christian experience is, such that only prophets can prophesy. No, if you are, your spirit is alive and well, the testimony of the Lord Jesus can come through you as the spirit of prophecy. So quickly, five ways um, a believer knows the will of God. Number one is through the inner witness. I'm just going to probably list them and then we'll close for today. I'm trying not to spill this over to next week. Bear with me. So, uh, first way is through the inner witness. And Romans 8.16 says that um, yeah, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are children of God. And the point is, if the Holy Spirit can testify with your spirit that you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit can also testify with your spirit that, oh, that thing you're about to do is a mistake. Oh, that thing that you, why do, instead of doing it this way, why don't you do it our way? So the inner witness is principally the Holy Ghost bearing witness with something that you want to do, something that you should not do, something that you should not be doing that you are doing, or something that you should be doing that you are not yet doing. So sometimes the, the Holy Ghost, many times, is that inner witness that, that saying, okay, you can do this, you can do that. That is one way that you know the Holy, that you know the will of God. Another way is through the scriptures. Second Timothy three sixteen. You know, as a fun as a fun Bible study assignment, you can go and check all the books of the New Testament and check all the chapter three verse sixteen that you find there you will find something interesting. It says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what we need to be furnished and equipped for every good work is doctrine, is correction, is reproof, is instruction in righteousness. And all those things are furnished by the scriptures. So on, at the basic level, if you are looking for the will of God, read your Bible. Whatever God says in the Bible that is acceptable, that is what you do. For example, you want to get married. And um, the basic principle is, is that there are two basic principles. Amos 3.3. Can two work together except they agree? That agreement is not 
I want to marry you. Yes, I also want to marry you. No. It is agreement in core values. It's agreement in beliefs. It's agreement in principles. It's agreement in everything. You know, they say that the number one cause of divorce is money. Literally, that is number one. So there must be some agreement in the area of money and all that. And you know, people, and you know, the Bible says that you should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So once you, you need to establish that the other person, you don't need a prophet to tell you. You just need to establish that the other person is, a, if the person is not a believer, it's a non-starter. So you don't want to get married and say, uh, I'll change him. You know, have you, you, since the, all the new year resolutions you have been doing, how many of them have you completed? If you can't change you, why do you think you can change somebody else? So, if the area of marriage, for example, so number one, un unbeliever is a no-go. Number two is can two work together except they agree. So, if the agreement is not there. But what the devil now teaches men to do is that they, the, the idea of, of can two work together for people is that they test compatibility. And one of the ways they test compatibility is that they sleep together and say, okay, are we sexually compatible or not? Whereas, that clouds your judgment about many many other aspects suddenly you overlook uh, the fact that the guy blows his money every two weeks he collects salary on the f on the first he's finished by 15. you you'll be patching it because you think that your your gymnastics in the bed they are they are enough to run a marriage and all of that but after you have even done all of that you should still so you know uh, this compatibility thing is quite is quite god have mercy so after you have not done that that leaves you with a pool of a number of of course if you are in a situation where you now know a lot of brothers like okay they are believers they are spirit filled and by the time you do the compatible the the can two work together except they agree test all your t you somebody wants to marry you tell the guy to bring his two hands and start to pray in tongues and see <laughs> and see whether the holy ghost tells you whether it's compatible or is not compatible that is where the inner witness now comes in. okay you have done the foundation of is a believer you have done the foundation of uh, two can work together except two can the two of you can work together because you agree now what is the holy ghost saying because it's the holy ghost that knows your destiny and it's holy ghost that knows that what's going to happen in five years in 10 years, in 15, in 20. It's all well and good that the guy is the nicest thing since sliced bread. You know, the way Apostle Paul went from Saul to Paul, there are people that will make the opposite journey. They will go from Paul to Saul. Saul, King Saul, when uh, Prophet Samuel anointed him, what happened to him? He prophesied the whole day. Yet, when God left him and the evil spirit came to him, what happened to him? He had a javel was going to kill David with it. He made crazy, crazy. He was the one that started going, going to look for the witch of Endor. So that the fact that somebody is on fire today does not necessarily mean they will be on fire. <laughs> I heard a powerful story. So this young man knew somebody who knew um, daddy, what's his name now? This deeper life, Baba. Baba Kubi. So the person said, ah, I'm going to Babakumi. Uh, you, you're a prophet. The guy was a prophet. Like, ah, you pro let me take you to I know Babakumi. Baba will lay hands on you and pray for you. So the the person took him and they got and, and the person knelt, the young man knelt down and as Baba was going to pray, Baba stopped. Said, ah, this one will waste the anointing. And Baba walked away. 
the guy was already functioning in the office of a prophet. So you will meet that guy on the street and the guy will tell you what is going to happen and happen. And those things will happen. Where that's when he got to Babakumi, Babakumi was like, so I was anointing. It was four years after that people understood what Baba meant that this one will waste anointing. So if you had gone to marry the guy because you felt, hey, the prophetic is fire here. In four years after, you would have found out that the prophetic is not fire around you. So when we make decisions, say I have, you know, <coughs> people say I have the mind of Christ. People, the mind of Christ. Let's read the place. First Corinthians two twelve. Okay, this is where I stop. That's where I stop. First Corinthians two. <coughs> He said now verse 12 said now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God these things we also speak not in words which which man's understand wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Says, but we have the mind of Christ. So when we said we have the mind of Christ, we must read it in context of verse 12. Pastor says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given by God. So the way you know the things that have been freely given to you by God is by receiving the spirit of God. The spirit of God is the mind of Christ. So when you say, I have, you know, what people say is that when, sometimes when they want to justify the things they want to do, they, and they don't want they want to bypass the process of actually asking God and being patient. They now say, I have the mind of Christ. Whatever decision I make is a decision of the Holy Ghost. You will be shocked that it will not be. And many times, sometimes you ask God, God answers you quickly. Sometimes God doesn't answer you quickly. The, when God has not answered you quickly, you stay there until he answers. If he never answers, you don't move. Because the things that only God knows how your life is supposed to pan out. And every decision you make either pushes you in the direction of the will of God or pushes you away from the will of God. And if you always consider every decision in the light of the will of God, you will be you will be more, more, more careful. And let me just mention this last point. I'll skip the other two. Is One of the ways you know the will of God is true prophecy. I've spoken about prophecy. I won't say it again. The other way is through your conscience. I've mentioned a bit about your conscience. Your conscience, your conscience is two words, con and science. Con is with, science is knowledge. So your conscience is a function of knowledge that you have. So your conscience can only function to the maximum knowledge that you have. That means if you don't know God enough, your conscience cannot function at God's level. If all you know, if the little you know is what guides your conscience. So one of the ways to help our conscience is to acknowledge, acquire more knowledge of God. 
and even while you are doing that if your conscience is co- that means if your conscience is condemning you on a matter that god has justified you it is because your conscience has not been fed with the knowledge of that justification that god gave you do we understand and the final point is the fivefold offices god uses the fivefold as you know Ephesians 4 god uses the fivefold as to to show us his will many christians make a, a a mistake and they say well you know you've heard it before that i'm a child of god god can speak to me too you've heard it before people like that usually die the death of a fool because the reason god said those people there is for the edification of the saints if the saints did not need edification if you don't need maturing what is their use so but god put them there because there are things they need to supply so if god is pushing you in a direction there is it is the principle of safety that you walk to someone that's why any ministry that the person that is leading is not one of the fivefold ministries run because that person is doing their own club you can you can do fellowship all you want but if it, the maturing of the saints is a let's go to Ephesians 4 so it won't look like I'm plucking things from yes, many times when we talk about doctrine you must be able to to back it up with what the scripture says so verse 10 it says uh let me start from 11 it says and he has given and he himself gave some to be apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edification of the body of christ he will all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ that is to say if you are not in contact with one at least one of these fivefold ministry there will be a problem with your equipping there will be a problem with your edification there will be a problem with you being in the unity of the faith and of knowledge there will be a problem with you being a perfect man there will be a problem with you growing to this measure of the stature of the fullness of christ one of their jobs is directions um i need to do this sir what sometimes the holy ghost tells them do that don't bother sometimes the holy ghost tells them go sometimes the holy ghost i say well uh, the holy ghost can tell them that he has already spoken to you and that that sometimes what we need is co- is affirmation that what we heard from god is right and so god uses them to now confirm that that thing i said to you two days ago is the way but many times when god speaks to them is it that that he also confirm, confirms it to us as children of God? Either he has said it, you are not listening, or you aren't confident enough to take the step that the Holy Ghost told you to take. But as we all mature, as we all grow, we, w- we must never ignore the office of the fivefold that say, oh, me that I pray six hours every day. The Holy Ghost can talk to you. You'll be surprised that the Holy Ghost will not talk to you. He will go and tell one of them and say, tell that child and if you insist that until god tells me i'm not going to do it you will never hear the holy ghost the lord bless us in jesus name wherever you have just bowed on your heads this morning i hope you learned one or two things from from the old speech just speak to god that god will furnish you with the knowledge of his will in the name of jesus just speak to god that will you f- would fill you with the knowledge of his will let's we'll do communion quickly
and we'll be on our way. Holy Spirit, that you furnish us with the knowledge of your will. There are many avenues that you speak to men. Help us not to be stubborn. Help us not to, to be ignorant. Help us not to be arrogant. Help us that whether you are speaking through the, your spirit or through the scriptures or through our conscience or through prophecy or through one of the fivefold ministries that you help us to hear, help us to obey in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. We can pray in the Holy Ghost, just pray in the Holy Ghost as we get set for the communion. Thank you. Just this communion, just as, as we settle to take it, take two minutes to speak to the Lord. If there is, while it is good, it is one aspect of Christianity to fellowship with the Holy Ghost. But the Lord also said that one of the reasons we have not is because we ask not. So ask. If there's something specific you are trusting God for, this is a chance to ask in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, as your people has with ask that you answer by fire. You answer by grace. You answer by strength. Lord, everything they are asking for, you do and so much more. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this communion, this bread and this wine. Number one, you said we should do it in remembrance of you. Number two, you reveal that it is the cup of blessing. Father, as we take the bread and the wine, symbols of your flesh and your blood, we ask that your power your grace, your presence, your person will rest upon us heavily in the name of Jesus. Everything that is not right in our lives, you put right in the name of Jesus. This meal, spiritual meal, goes into every cell of our body from the crown of our heads to the sole of our feet. Even our spirit and our minds, that our minds will be right and active and functional in the name of Jesus. Every system, every cell, every organ, hear the word of the Lord. You act rightly, behave rightly in the name of Jesus. No part of our bodies will reside, will go home before us in the name of Jesus. Thank you for strength, thank you for renewal, thank you for grace, thank you for mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's um, close our eyes as we share the grace together in fellowship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore in Jesus' name. Isaiah 57 For the Lord for the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. If you will not be ashamed this week, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Lord bless you. See you on Wednesday in Jesus' name.